Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Roger, you preached this past Sunday morning. Your sermon title was These Three. Yeah, we went to a passage in Ezekiel chapter 14 where Ezekiel is bringing up three names from the Old Testament and very righteous men. And what he's saying is, had they been there at that time, that would have not helped the nation. The nation was going away from God. Uh, God was about out of patience with them. He was going to send the Babylonians upon them and punish them. And so he brings up Noah, Daniel, and Job. And I, I, I find that fascinating of all the names in the Old Testament. Uh, why those three? And they all stand out for different reasons. You know, Noah is from the book of Genesis, and Noah was the one that only his family was righteous and was in that ark. No one else built the ark, just Noah did. And we think about Daniel. Daniel was a contemporary with Ezekiel, so he's present tense. He was still alive, and he was a righteous man, and God brings him up. And as one who had to deal with the, the changing culture that he was going into. And then Job, we remember Job was a man who suffered. And the biggest part of the book of Job is how his friends come to him and kind of rebuke him and saying that Job gets what he deserves. And that really wasn't the case. But, but three righteous examples. Uh, that was, that was just a fascinating thought for me to look at that. And, and our points as we went through that is, because of these three names, when it's difficult, we can still do what's right. And when somebody sometimes says, well, I can't do it, well, there's Noah, there's Daniel, and there's Job. Yeah, they could do what's right when it's difficult, so can I. And when no one else is doing what's right, and that was really Noah's world, and in a lot of ways, that was Daniel's world. When no one else is doing what's right, I can still do what's right. And when someone says, well, how can I? There's Noah, there's Daniel, and there's Job. And then we looked at when even when God's people are weak and they're not doing as they should, I can do what I should because Noah, Daniel, and Job tell me that. And so that's that was uh, the heart of the lesson as we looked at some of these things. And it's just fascinating that these three names are brought up as just reminders of righteousness and faithfulness to God. Yeah, I'd really encourage our listeners, if you haven't already watched or listened, that sermon is freely available front and center at charlestownroad.org. Time well spent here in the middle of the week. If you go back and even if you heard it in person to revisit it, maybe in our sermon podcast feed, three classic thought-provoking examples, especially, like you said, brought up uh, together in that context as examples of righteousness. Uh, Roger, in following along in our bulletin, you had a, a little box off to the side, and you brought up a, a couple of points that um, just preliminarily I'll, I'll, I'll mention. Uh, you, you talked about how these three couldn't stop the judgment of God. Obviously, the judgment in Noah's day came even though though Noah built the ark. They, they couldn't save the nation. I mean, people like Daniel lived at a really difficult time in Israel's history, Judah's history. Uh, 
but the entire nation was subject to the discipline, the the wrath of God. They they couldn't save them fam their own families. Obviously, um, each family member had to develop faith of their own. But I thought here in the middle of the week, the three little bullet points beneath that would be particularly relevant. Here as we are, we're halfway through the week. You brought up Number one, that these three show a man who alone was different from the culture he lived in. The the impact that you can have when you're different from the culture you live in. Obviously, uh, we're talking to some who are maybe on their way to work or on their way home from work and Maybe it's been a bit of a tough week already. Many, many, many of our young people either started school last week or they've just started school this week. And we know, at least intellectually, that we need to be different from the culture around us. I've I've got maybe two questions. Why do we need to be different and then how? How are we to be different? Yeah, you know, and, and I think that that phrase, a man who alone was different than the culture he lived in, really fits under Noah. Because uh, in the Genesis account, right before the flood, it says the thought of man was evil continually. It, it wasn't like once in a while man had a bad thought. It was like continually he was thinking wicked. Continually he was thinking evil. Um, you know, and, and just a few pages later in the book of Genesis, you, you have the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And as Peter tells that story later on in the book of Second Peter, he says that that righteous man, his soul was vexed day and night by what he saw and what he heard. Uh, the, that's how the righteous people feel today. Uh, you go to work and the talk is not decent. People are talking about people in a gossipy way. They're, they're, they're about themselves and, they're, and they'll walk over anybody. They'll lie, cheat still just to get ahead. And you're just trying to be a righteous person. Uh, and, and it's just, you just don't seem to fit in. You know, you think about Noah. I mean, outside of his immediate family, his three sons and their wives, uh, if he had a next door neighbor come on over for dinner, the, the conversation, how difficult it would be, the tension, how difficult it would be, because they were just not the same page on hardly anything. And for our students today, walking down that hallway of the high school, how difficult that is today because of the culture that we live in. So, so God expects us to be righteous people. He doesn't give us a pass because, you know, everyone's doing wrong. So, you know, I understand if you can't do right. No, no, Noah stands out as one who did right, even though everyone else was doing wrong. And so being the light of the world, as God wants us to be, uh, the light shines the brightest when things are so dark around us. And so uh, to be like Jesus, Christ formed in me, Christ living in me, those great New Testament passages, it behooves us to understand that uh, culture is going one direction, I'm going the other direction. And there's some things I will not do. There's some shows I will not watch. There's some movies I will not watch. There's some songs I will not be a part of. Some concerts I will not attend. And that is because of the different directions we're traveling. What And that's about how we do that 
How we do that is is by having Christ in our lives. We we don't be offensive. We don't get in someone's face. We don't push somebody to an argument or a fight. That's not that's not the gospel way of doing it. But we also understand that a line has to be drawn. And so when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saw everyone bowing down, they stood and they were noticed and there were consequences. When Daniel later on was told not to pray, he prayed and he was noticed and there are consequences. And so we will keep doing what we need to do to honor our Lord, to elevate Lord and to praise him. But we need to recognize that those around us may not appreciate it, and and there are consequences coming with that. Yeah, it strikes me that this is something we have to decide ahead of time, right? If I wait, if Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, whoever you want to talk about, if, if they decided on the spur of the moment, who they were, what they were going to stand for, or what they wouldn't stand for, then we're probably not reading the stories that we are, those great stories of courage and boldness and and resilience. But what makes those people special, what makes a Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 special is he made up his mind before that test came along, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and let me just jump in here. Yeah. You know, Daniel chapter one, verse eight actually says that Daniel made up his mind that he would not eat the king's food. Yeah. So if you're, if you're waiting until you're at a party and someone puts a, a beer in your hand and you haven't made up your mind, well, you're probably going to go the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, you wait until you're in the backseat of a car and somebody starts taking their clothes off uh, and you haven't made up your mind, uh, you're probably, you're probably going to make the wrong choice. And so before the party starts, you're even going to ask yourself, should I even be at this party? Should I even be with this person? Um, those are some questions going to, going to go through your mind as you make up your mind ahead of time because righteous living uh, means making righteous choices. Yeah, and it does speak, I think, to the importance of being around people who have made that same decision, right? Because, I mean, let's be honest, standing out from the culture can take a toll. It can be exhausting over the course of a long haul, especially if I'm not spending time with people who have decided also to be different. And that speaks to the importance of assembling together where we are doing so much more than just attending, checking a, an obligatory box, or even expressing our praise and our thanksgiving to God. Most certainly, there is a very strong, to borrow from your sermon on Sunday morning, a vertical aspect that is really important there but there is also so much refreshment and perspective that comes from spending time with people who have also made the same choice. They're singing different songs. They're praying different prayers. They're making different priorities, different decisions. There really is something to that Hebrews 10 phrase that as we gather together, we provoke one another to love and good work. So I got to make up my mind that I'm willing to be different. And I need those times of refreshment and re-energy 
eulogizing from people who have made the same decision. Yeah, and, l- and let me just add this too, especially to our younger listeners, because uh, sometimes we think that uh, my age on up, uh, we've never experienced anything. <laughs> but but you talk you talk to that older Christian who served maybe in Vietnam and uh, he was in the military and how tough it was to be a Christian during those time periods. Or you talk to somebody that uh, has already been through college and what dorm life is like and, and how tough it was for them, but they made it. And, and that, that's, that's the hope where an older Christian and a younger Christian can help each other as we realize we're in this together and, and we want everyone to succeed. All right. So three basic points. Number one, from these three, they show us the power of someone who is different from the culture that they lived in. Number two from your sermon was they refuse to listen to their faithless friends. Of the three, which one really stands out? Oh, that's, that's obviously Job. And, and that's, that's the core of the book of Job. His three friends come, and for a week they don't say anything. And that's probably the best week he had as he was suffering. <laughs> but then after that, they start opening up their mouths, and one by one they just start laying on the guilt. He was already hurting, but now they start layering it with guilt. It's your fault that this is happening, and your kids were not the way they should have been. And on and on they laid this on. And at the end of the book, when God speaks, God tells Job to go make sacrifices for his friends because his friends simply have not been right. All right. So should I take away from that as I'm out and about here in the middle of the week, there are actually some people, even some friends that I shouldn't listen to? Absolutely. And, and to bring it even closer home, sometimes our family members. Okay. And, and sometimes we give family members a pass because they are family. And because of that, they, they feel like they have the right to say anything, and they can make jabs at your faith. They can challenge you. They can say things that's just critical and wrong, and that just hurts you. And so, yeah, there, there are some people in life that you should just not listen to. There's some, there's some websites. There's some things on Facebook. You just, you just hit the accelerator and bypass it because it's not worth looking at. It's just going to discourage you. A lot of times it's full of things that's not true. It's not proven. And it's just there to kind of make you feel bad and make you feel guilty and to question what you really ought to know. And so Job, Job was confident as he went through with his friends. They kept getting on him, but he understood that he had not done anything worthy of those things. Yeah, so I'm thinking of the teenager, let's say, who is in a crowd of fellow teenagers. And let's say that... I have all girls at home. So let's say it's a circle of girls and, and one girl starts talking in really ugly, negative ways about a, a girl that's not in that circle, isn't even present. What would you say to the teenage girl who knows this is not the way we ought to talk. This is not the sort of gossip or backbiting or just outright lying that we need to listen to. What would you tell that teenage girl to do in that moment? And and for some reason, I've experienced this in my own family, uh, (laughs) girls can be harder than guys. I I don't know why. They can just just be cruel to each other. Well, that that starts going on. One of the first things 
you do if you can just get away from that. Um, especially if you're outnumbered and everyone's jumping in. They're, they're all kind of jumping in like a little mob here, and we're all just kind of trash-talking somebody. Um, you know, another thing you can do is just say, is that the way you'd want somebody to talk about you? Yeah. And nobody would want that. Um, but most times that, that, won't, that won't quiet them. They, 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 they enjoy what they're doing, and they enjoy putting people down. And so uh, and you pretty much know that when you're not around them, they're probably saying the same thing about you. They're, they're probably talking about, negative about you because that's their life, and that's the way they are. It's very sad that they're wasting such wonderful life and opportunity by being negative. But, you know, we don't talk that way. We shouldn't talk that way, and if you can't change the subject, uh, best thing to do is just walk away. And don't feel bad about that. I feel like I'm, I'm not participating in these things because it's just hurtful, and it's not, it's not good at all. Yeah, so it goes back to having made up my mind that it's okay to be different, but it also leads us, Roger, perfectly to point number three. These three righteous examples show us, number one, the power of someone who's different from the culture around them. Number two, they refused to listen to their faithless friends. Number three, they didn't allow circumstances to change them. And that and that fits Daniel. You know, Daniel, as we think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were taken from Judah by the Babylonians in captivity. A war had taken place, and uh, Babylon had attacked Jerusalem, knocked the walls down, ransacked the temple, burned it. Lots of people died, and several of them, we would just say, were kidnapped. Uh, the Bible doesn't use that word, but that's that's what happened. They were kidnapped, taken back to Babylon. They were given new names. They were taught a Babylonian culture and history history, given Babylonian foods, and then they're put before Babylonian gods. And so what what was happening is uh, we, we are taming you, we're changing you, and we're reshaping you. That's, that's what was going on. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't let that happen to them. And so I believe there's a strong front today to do that in our culture, uh, just just to get us to accept things that God says are wrong. And there's just an agenda. They push, they push, they push. And once they're beyond that, they move on to the next agenda and then the next agenda. It wasn't just yesterday that everyone was talking about same-sex marriage. You never hear about that today. No one talks about that today because now they're on to can you change your gender. And it won't be very long, and they'll move on from that to the next thing. And everything they move on to is just gets deeper and deeper into wrong, and it's not right. And so what you do is you got to realize, i got to follow Jesus. I cannot be a part of these things. These things are not right. They're not helpful. And they, they are, they're an agenda that's not based upon the Bible. These are people who are driving through life with no compass and no guide, and they don't know where they're going. And I'm different. I know where I'm going. My mind's made up ahead of time that I'm going to honor my Lord. Three extremely practical lessons worth thinking about here in the middle of the week. We've got to be willing to be different from the culture we live in. We have to refuse to listen to faithless friends, and we can't allow circumstances 
to change us. These three was the name of the sermon. Roger, I really liked how you rounded that entire outline off. Rather than looking around, look up. Rather than waiting for others, you start. Rather than doing as little as possible, do as much as you can. A great sermon, freely available there at charlestownroad.org. We've got the opportunity this evening to get a little bit more perspective and fuel and the refreshment that we were talking about. We are right in the heart of our summer series. In fact, tonight represents the, the halfway point of that. Every Wednesday at 7 o'clock p.m. through July and August, we're blessed to have a wide range of guest speakers. And tonight we are looking forward to having Jamie Helmick with us. I've known Jamie for about 20 years. He is from Ohio, and we are really excited to have him come over this way. Higher Ground is our theme for the summer. And Jamie is talking to us about how though some may dwell where these abound, That in many ways is a lot of what, Roger, you and I have been talking about. But Jamie's going to be real about the circumstances around us, but point us, of course, to higher ground. And we're excited to have him here. We would love to see you this evening at 7 o'clock p.m. I've got the opportunity, Lord willing, to preach this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. I have been revisiting here recently some of those doors that our young people learned about in Vacation Bible School, lessons we can learn from doors of the Bible This Sunday morning, we're talking about the tomb door, and we would love to see you at 9.30 a.m. Roger, 5 o'clock p.m., what about you? Well, our theme this year is Finish What Was Started. And so we're going to we're going to go through the Old Testament and look at the story of a man by the name of Manasseh, one of the kings of Judah, and we're going to talk about finishing strong. How can we stay the course and finish strong? You know, we've talked a lot about keeping our eyes on the goal today, being unashamedly different, refusing to listen to faithless friends, not allowing circumstances to change us. So powerful to be a part of a church family that has an overall theme for the year, finishing what was started, a theme for the summer, higher ground. There are just so many blessings all around us. Roger, I appreciate you joining me today. We so appreciate all of you for listening to this week at Charlestown Road. It would be great to see you at 7 o'clock p.m. tonight. We're already looking forward to Sunday the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us. 